This is Tim Tapp, host of Tap Into The Truth. of Tap Into The Truth. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing with all the usual caveats, of course. With you as always, I am indeed your ever so humble and, you know, mostly peaceful host, Tim Tap, and I am coming to you direct from historic Roan County, Tennessee. And man, oh man, I come across enough headlines alone today to just sit here and give you headlines and a quick uh, comment, quick hot take, move along, and I could probably do next to a five-hour show. And again, that's just from today. There is stuff since the last time we've got together, and unfortunately, I missed an entire broadcast within the schedule because uh, stuff. Stuff keeps getting in the way, so I apologize for that, guys. Hope you won't hold it against me, and hope you'll continue to listen as uh, we continue. But one of the things I wanted to touch on from the previous broadcast, I got a lot of pushback 
on social media in regards to a comment that I made about a certain somebody that was going around on MSNBC and going around on The View who looks like an escapee from Don King's failed hair salon. And uh, he was trying to push his brand new book. And he kind of said some things that are a bit hard for me to swallow. You know, things like the Constitution's kind of trash. And he meant it, and he said it more than once. In fact, he said it several times. Uh, he's wrong. But, uh, you know, he's outpedaling his book. But what I had said was he's got the kind of personality that he's probably a lot of fun to be around and that uh, I could see myself enjoying being in his company uh, as long as I wasn't darkened of his quick wit. Now, all I meant by that, for those of you that seem to have missed the point that I was trying to make, is this is the kind of guy that's very useful to the left. He's a very good messenger because he gets you to like him and feel like it's cool to think like him, and, and he gets on these trends. So that really was the point I was making, and if I didn't make it quite clear enough, then I apologize. Simple enough. If you think I was saying, hey, I really like this guy, no, 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 no. You, you need to re-listen and get the tone I was trying to simply infer that this guy is the kind of dangerous, race-baiting kind of guy that will only make things worse. In fact, he's got the kind of personality that if he had the exact same identical mindset as Ibram Kendi, Ibram Kendi would suddenly become way more dangerous. Uh, Ibram, uh, he's just a little too obvious with his hatred, and he's not quite as much fun to be around. He... If you listen. And again, that that was the whole point, guys. That was the whole point. It wasn't me saying that I liked him. It wasn't me saying that I admired him. Just me saying that he's got that drive, that personality. All right, so let's get on to today's business, shall we? We've got the ongoing uh, song and dance that we have in the Senate Judiciary Committee as we are now getting the official hearing on a president if you want to call him that, Joe Biden's nomination to fill the upcoming spot on the Supreme Court. Yes, when it comes to Judge Jackson and everything that she represents, we've kind of touched on some of the weaknesses that exist in her judicial record. She's clearly soft on crime in general. She's specifically uh, soft on crime of a pornographic pedophilic variety. And uh, she has some other issues, but now we've got uh, got this obvious picture that's been painted. She's clearly the type of person that is a historic woman, but we can't be sure she's a woman because she's the one who told us she's a woman, but she can't define what a woman is. So if she can't define what a woman is, how can she be certain if she's a woman but she is a woman, and she's told us that, and, and Joe Biden thought it was very, very important that the next nominee for the Supreme Court has to be not only a woman, but a black woman, not only black, but a black woman. And, but again, we can't tell for sure if she is a woman because she can't define what a woman is. Oh, my head just exploded.
That is literally where we're at. She is clearly a leftist activist. She's an activist from the bench. She has no role in the U.S. judiciary if it was serving its true purpose, let alone on the highest court of the land. In decades gone by, her setting on a school board that clearly, the school clearly embraces racial essentialism, would have been enough to disqualify you from sitting on the highest court in the land. Her refusal to suggest that she can even define what a woman is would have been enough to disqualify her from holding a federal judicial position, period. Because in case you, you, you're under a rock somewhere, maybe you don't realize it, there are lots of occasions in law where things specifically direct towards the word woman. If you don't understand the legal definition, if you couldn't at least offer up the legal definition, if you couldn't at least ask for clarification of what is it exactly that you're trying to ask for me? Are you looking for when does a girl become a woman? Are, are you looking for how uh, a woman is defined within civil liberty legislation and uh, uh, you know, wh whatever it might be? Yeah, if you're looking for women's rights, if you want to protect women's rights, you have to be able to define what a woman is. Now, make no mistake about it. Judge Jackson, she knows. She knows what a woman is. But she's not going to say it because if she actually gave the definition, then she would upset part of the extremist leftist part of the Democratic Party, the so-called progressive movement of which she wants to be a champion for, of which she has been a champion for. So, again, there were some fireworks involved there, and, and we'll kind of settle in and talk about that, but I, I don't want to spend too much time discussing this topic, which you're clearly going to be getting plenty of coverage of. I mean, what else is everyone else talking about? I mean, it's very upsetting to me that she wants to dodge these questions when she should be proud of them, especially when it comes to the questions about critical race theory, which she, she talked about this business about it being something that's taught in law school, and then she still didn't want to define it. Excuse me, as a sitting judge, haven't you been to law school? But the question she was asked wasn't even relevant about whether or not critical race theory, the theory being taught at law school, was being taught to young children in public schools. She spouted off something about uh, there's a difference between public schools and private schools and uh, uh, grammar schools and elementary schools and junior high schools and high schools and blah, 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 blah. I'd say, okay, obviously she's good at the legalese. Obviously she's been there, but she gave a response that was a difference without a distinction. Because she never actually answered the question. I mean, she's clearly a politician as well. Unfortunately, most of our justices, once they get to a circuit court or higher, are way more political than they are judicial. That's where we're at. Who are the best politicians among your judicial class? Those are the ones that get to move up because they have to please the setting chief executive. It's ridiculous. 
just answer the questions. That used to be the expectation. Answer the questions that you can. Ask for clarification for the ones you can't write off. And if you still can't answer them, apologize, but say that you really can't answer that question because either you don't understand how it's being framed or you simply don't have the necessary information. If you tell me that you can't define what a woman is because you're not a biologist, I'm going to sit here and I'm going to look at you and I'm going to say, uh, excuse me? How, how could you possibly be qualified? How could you possibly be qualified to sit on the Supreme Court if you can't define what a woman is? Because there's a legal standard for that. How can you possibly be qualified to sit on the Supreme Court if you can't tell me whether or not you believe that racial essentialism is something that should be taught to small children? Now, clearly the answer is yes, she does believe it because she spoke very highly of the school system on which she sits on the board. She's embraced how very progressive they are. Part of the curriculum for K through third grade, we're talking fourth graders, fourth graders, fifth graders, sixth, not fourth graders, we're talking four-year-olds, not fourth graders, I'm sorry, K through three, are getting to read Ibram Kendi's little book, uh, Baby Anti-Racist, or whatever the title of the stupid book is. It doesn't freaking matter. The only people who should know what that title is are people that work in school libraries so they know what not to put in their library. It should not be part of a school curriculum anywhere. It's not being progressive. It's being moronic. Uh, babies are, are born uh, either uh, – babies are born away, but they're either taught to be racist or taught to be anti-racist. When, point of fact, according to Ibram Gendi, uh, to be anti-racist means you actually have to be racist, just only racist against white people. That, that is not exactly the way he defines it, but that's pretty much the definition. I challenge you, if you disagree with me as far as what he's saying, uh, feel free to look at it and tell me that's not the message you're getting. Nothing written by Ibram Kendi should be part of a curriculum for any level of education anywhere in the country, period. It shouldn't be on a reading list. It shouldn't even be available on Amazon, but hey. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> trash still gets printed. They'll still allow trash to be available. But that's what it is. He's not some great thinker. In fact, some of my just pitiful ramblings are way more deeper and intellectual than his best work. And, and I'm actually being kind of kind. If you haven't read any of this stuff, I highly recommend you do. Every now and then you need to stick your head up out of the echo chamber if you're somebody that never does. If you're tuning into this show because you only listen to conservative broadcasts, uh, if you're only listening to this show on a dare, then maybe you're in for a treat. Maybe you will just hate it. That I can't tell. But if you're somebody that's only listening to this show because you only listen to conservatives, then let me encourage you to stick your head out of the echo chamber because – if you're relying on people like me and Ron Edwards and Annie Bellis and Don Smith and Rod Eccles, and if you're relying on those so-called A-listers, the folks at uh, the top of the talk show heap uh, that are bringing you those daily messages, uh, whether you're talking about Dan Bongino or whether you're talking about um, 
now all of a sudden I can't think of it. Uh, Glenn Beck over at the Blaze or Ben Shapiro at uh, the Daily Wire or any of the folks that work for those companies. Or, you know, if you're counting on any of these folks, the folks over at Fox News, uh, like our good friend uh, Mr. Tucker Carlson or, or any of these folks, if that's where you're counting on to get your reports on what the left's up to, then you're still missing out on some of the nuance. Don't wait for us to tell you about what they're saying and doing. Go see for yourself. Go see if you're picking up on the same things. Now, there's nothing wrong with coming back and listening to see what we're saying about it. See if maybe we're picking up something that you missed or see if you picked up something that we've missed. Feel free to interact with us. We all have an online presence somewhere in social media, even if that social media is someplace like Parler or MeWe or Gab or something along those lines. If that's where you have to come find us, come interact with us, let us know. Let's make it a community thing. Let's have discussions and let's band together. We need to create a sense of community. Don't know why I went off on this particular side tangent, but let me pull myself back onto it before I get too far down the road. When somebody tells you that they don't believe that children should be taught that they are uh, an oppressor or they're oppressed, but that they're perfectly okay with uh, blah, 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 blah. When, in fact, it's pretty obvious they do believe that, or they would, as a member of the board of that school, oppose that part of the curriculum, or they would step down from that board and they would take their children out of that school. I mean, that's how that works. I don't know of very many exceptions to that rule. So, clearly... Uh, you put your money where your mouth is, okay, I'm going to believe you. You're going to back it up. But your actions, they speak a lot louder than your words. And in this case, she gets to claim to be a historic woman the whole time she doesn't know if she's a woman because she can't define what a woman is because she's not a biologist. But according to the left, biologists can't define what a woman is because it's a construct of, oh, my head just exploded again. That's what happens when you try to file, follow the circular reasoning that the left tries to play off as logic, which, by the way, that's an oxymoron. It is not. Let me get a few of these quick hits in before we uh, get to the mid-hour uh, break portion of the show, and then we will jump in. i got a couple of stories from California uh, that I want to share with you, and then a couple other things. And like I said, I want to spend some time not solely focused on either the war in Ukraine or the nomination process. Because at the end of the day, we've already revealed that Judge Jackson is not of the right mindset. She may be credentialed enough. She maybe has the right experience. But she has violated sentencing guidelines. Violated. Whenever she's had the opportunity in an interest of being soft on criminals, she was asked point blank, who's the victim here, the criminals or the victims of the child exploitation, the sexual exploitation of the minor? Who's the real victim? She didn't seem to be too thrilled to, to have that question even asked. And everybody over on MSNBC and everybody else at CNN and everybody over at NBC, CBS, ABC, they're all going to Nutsville, if you don't mind me borrowing some terminology from Ron. 
They're all going to Nutsville because, oh, my gosh, how dare you even ask a question? You were just, if you were a Republican, if you were Josh Hawley, if you were Ted Cruz, if you were Marsha Blackburn, if you were any Republican sitting in this little room, you were supposed to sit there with your hands underneath your backside, sitting in silence. Maybe even, maybe even go ahead and gag yourself before you sit on your hands. So that you're not even tempted to ask a question. Uh, Senator, it's your turn. Mm, not a question. Have no questions. Historic black woman who we assume is a woman, but we don't know she's a woman. She looks like a woman. She's told us she's a woman. But she can't define that she's a woman. And the only way we can be sure is to conduct some type of test. And if she doesn't let us conduct those tests, then it's become assault. And we don't want to assault anyone, but still she won't tell us but she did tell us but we can't be sure how how can she be sure if she and my head exploded again uh, it's just enough to make you sit back and say everything is awesome <laughs> because what else can you do okay anyway let's get to some of these quick hits because now i've taken too much time talking about this i apologize uh first of all if you miss it donald trump made some headlines he's suing Hillary Clinton, and a few other folks, uh, all because of the far-reaching Russian collusion conspiracy. So, the Donald, you know, the orange man who's bad, the kicker of puppies, the eater of babies, the climate arsonist, well, he went ahead and filed a lawsuit in the U.S. District Court of the Southern District of Florida, accusing former Secretary of State Hillary Rodham Clinton, former FBI Director James Comey, the Democratic National Committee, and uh, roughly about a dozen other folks of engaging in an organized plot to spread malicious and false information about Trump. Now, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Surely to goodness, we'll find out, and we will follow that story. I'm a pretty... I'm a pretty big fan of going after these people where they live. Something needs to be done. Uh, of course, uh, some Democrats got a little upset over the Supreme Court ruling when it involves with a voting map issue uh, in the great state of Wisconsin. The U.S. Supreme Court this past Wednesday sided with the Wisconsin Republicans that were challenging the redistricting efforts from Democrats in the state. Basically, they threw out the legislative maps that were drawn by the Democratic governor, Tony Evers, and adopted by his highest court. Now, the Supreme Court granted a Republican request to block new maps that increase the number of state assembly districts with a majority of black voters from six to seven. That's according to a report from Rutgers. Uh, Rutgers. Reuters. Reuters is the news organization. Rutgers is the university in New Jersey. I, I apologize. Anyway, the court sent the case back to the Wisconsin Supreme Court and ordered it to adopt new maps laying out the various districts. Now, the Wisconsin Supreme Court it committed legal error in its application of decisions of the court regarding the relationship between the constitutional guarantee of equal protection and the VRA, which is the Voting Rights Act. This was the opinion rendered, and uh, they added that the state court believed that it had to conclude 
only that the VRA might support race-based districting, not that the statute required it. Our president instructs otherwise. So the U.S. Supreme Court says, "Mm, sorry, Wisconsin Supreme Court, you got this one wrong. And, of course, that has Democrats all upset. Uh, Another quick hit. Uh, I kind of thought it's interesting. You've still got uh, Biden snapping at reporters this time. There was a reporter that uh, kept trying to push him on the idea that none of the efforts at deterrence had worked, that the sanctions didn't deter anything in trying to stop Putin from invading Ukraine. And uh, now, in that in-between time, since the invasion actually occurred, all of a sudden, the administration, a.k.a. Operation P-Pads and Knee-Pads, has continued to claim that they never said sanctions would be a deterrent, even though that was the exact language that everyone in the administration was using prior to the invasion. This is what we're going to do in an effort to deter. This is going to deter. This is an effort to deter. We're going to try to deter. That's the whole purpose of the sanctions, and they lose their ability to work as a deterrence if we go ahead, because that was the excuse not to go ahead and pull the trigger early. Then they've got nothing to lose. They'll just go ahead and go in. So the threat of sanctions was an effort at deterrence. Actual sanctions is not a deterrence. Actually, that kind of makes sense. That's <laughs> kind of real life. Uh, sometimes if you say something and people believe you're actually going to do it, then maybe they might give it a second thought. But he snapped at another reporter today and said, Are you playing games with me? Uh, y- yeah, Joe, everybody's playing games with you. Sadly, the games are pretty high stakes, and there's a lot of innocent people that are getting hurt. Also, the Biden administration said something about uh, letting uh, a large number of Ukrainian refugees into the United States. I I saw the number. I don't want to scare anybody. You guys probably heard him talking about it. The question I have, does that include the ones that are illegally crossing our southern border? Because within two days of the invasion, we started getting Ukrainians illegally crossing our southern border. Now, I'm just saying that that's a thing that's happened. Not making it up. Don't believe me? Check it out. There's a group of uh, activists that are really upset that the NCAA is ignoring this whole female swimmer controversy, letting a biological man participate in women's national championships. It's really raised the Now, Leah Thomas, Leah is the name he wants to go by despite the fact that there's still complaints in the women's locker room that he occasionally, occasionally fails to cover his male genitalia while he's in the female locker room. All right, these are legitimate complaints. I'm not making this up. Women, actual biological women, women, I can define what a woman is. In fact, there's multiple definitions I can offer. Not that... Judge Jackson or anybody from the Uber activist left wants to hear them. Most of them can also define what a woman is. Although every last one of you uh, 
feminists out there need to think long and hard about whose side you're really on because if you really want to protect women and women's rights, you don't have to attack men all the time. But if you want to find somebody that's going to actually consider what a woman is at the very least in order to try and offer some level of protections for you, uh, then you need to make sure you're with like-minded folks, people that actually can define it. Now, from a biological standpoint, there's a couple of defining characteristics. Primarily, you're talking about XX chromosomes. If you're talking about uh, the uh, primary defining product of all mammalian species, a female is the part of the sexual dichotomy that exists within the species that produces eggs. Now, you can mutilate your body. You can put any level of hormones in. But if you transition from male to female, you don't suddenly start producing eggs. There's nothing they can do to you to make that happen. They can change all the plumbing to the point to make it look, act, maybe even feel pretty close to, but they can't create the part that actually defines womanhood. Now, you could come up with a more philosophical definition, and that's fine. You could come up with a more touchy-feely, meaningful, straight-from-the-heart definition. That's fine, too. I'm not going to waste your time as I'm not in poetic mode at the moment. It's pretty simple. It's pretty straightforward. You know what a woman is. Joe Biden also acknowledging that there's going to be food shortages. Now, again, <laughs> again, we're being told we're not going to have to worry about food shortages here in the United States. I'm sorry. I've been telling you for a couple of months now. I've got a bad feeling it's coming everywhere. Now, here's the thing. In third world and in developing nations, there's going to be serious food shortages. It's going to be famine-level food shortages. Here in the United States, we're already being told we've been being conditioned for a little while now with the idea of uh, we're going to just have to make do with less. We're just going to have to make do with less. We're just going to have to make do with less. Why? Because there's going to be less available, and all the rich folks that the leftists and the so-called progressives are are going to be hoarding everything anyway. They're already making moves to try to hoard as much stuff as they can, which is why they're also, uh, through governmental channels, telling us not to start hoarding anything. Don't you hoard anything. That's why I'd like to remind you, visit tapintothetruth.com. That's T-A-P-P, into the truth, all one word, dot com, and uh, go click on one of the banners or one of the buttons for My Patriot Supply and start stocking up on some shelf-stable food. Because the first shortage is going to be not a shortage of food available, although there's going to be limits to what's on the shelves and in your store. There's still going to be food there. You're just not going to see everything you're accustomed to. You're not going to be able to get everything you want. But the real shortage is going to be a result of you're going to have a shortage of value in your dollars because inflation is not stopping. They're not doing anything to curb inflation. And sure, the, the Federal Reserve decided to raise the, the interest rates a little bit, and we're going to do that several more times. So that's going to have an effect. 
But as long as the government continues to spend like it's nothing and wants to keep giving away money for nothing and wants to continue to ignore the fact that we could be energy independence, which is one of the largest driving factors for the inflation that existed well before Vladimir Putin even thought about uh, uh, should now be the time we go. Should we start building up forces before any of that, even though Joe Biden and uh, a lot of folks on the left keep trying to pretend like uh, it's all Putin's fault now because they think you have the memory of a gnat, which is probably pretty close to Biden's memory when you think about it. They think you're going to forget that it was already going south, had been going south from the minute he took the oath. He took the oath of office. He immediately went to the White House and he immediately started signing these executive orders and the economy immediately started going into the crapper. But oh, no, 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 it's all Vladimir's fault. It's all Vladimir's fault. So just be mad at all Russians because of Vladimir Putin. And isn't that kind of silly how everybody's mad at all the Russians? I mean... The Bidens aren't mad enough to go after all of the Russians. In fact, they haven't even went after all of the oligarchs. The richest woman in Russia, the richest woman in Moscow, her name has mysteriously remained not on the list of sanctioned individuals within the country. Yeah, I, I've been trying to scratch my head and think and wonder, why is that? Why, why is it possible that the richest woman in Moscow... Wouldn't be included on the list. I mean, she's one of those oligarchs that should be targeted if, if that's what you're going to do. And the only thing I can think of is this woman gave an awful lot of money to Hunter Biden. Wonder? That couldn't have anything to do with it, could it? I mean, could it? Nah. Speaking of Biden in Ukraine, Biden also warned the world and specifically Vladimir you you'll get out of you get out of Ukraine Vladimir you live now you stop looking for moose and squirrel they are not in Ukraine but if trying to smoke out squirrel you decide to use chemical weapons then the US will respond now that's it they're just going to respond he didn't say how didn't say in what fashion. Didn't say if it would involve military. Didn't say if it would involve NATO. In fact, he didn't even say if his response would be anything other than ordering a new flavor of ice cream for the weekend. I, the United States is going to respond, I want a new pair of slippers. Vladimir, if you use chemical weapons again, oh no, he just did it again. All right, tonight, instead of... The chocolate pudding, I'm going to have the butterscotch pudding. Take that, Vladimir. Meanwhile, Ukrainian people are dying as the, the Western world continues to battle with the globalist mindset versus the nationalist mindset. Another quick hit, and I'm going to have to really pick up the pace for this quick hit because now I'm well past the halfway point of the first hour. Washington Post... It's claiming that Republicans are treating Judge Jackson worse than the Democrats treated Kavanaugh. It's, it's like they don't even remember what happened. 
I'm sorry, I'm going to have some crazy lady uh, step forward and claim that uh, Kavanaugh is a gang rapist and try to destroy his reputation and hurt his family beyond uh, repair because he has the nerve to stand up and be a judge selected by that guy. You know, the orange man who is bad, the kicker of puppies, the eater of babies, the climate arsonist. Yeah, that guy. And if that guy's going to pick him, he's got to be terrible. He must be a monster. So, you know, that's not being wrong-headed. It's not being bad. The fact that somebody called and gave this complaint and instead of turning it over to the FBI or turning it over to law enforcement for investigation, we kept it in our pockets and we wanted to wait until it was time for the judicial hearings. And then we wanted to blather it out and then we wanted to bring Miss Blase forward uh, to to town. And she, she it, it took an effort. She didn't even want to come. She didn't even want to look at Kavanaugh. She didn't want to look Kavanaugh in the face, didn't want to see Kavanaugh, and she claims it's because she's so traumatized, but I claim it's because it's a lot harder to lie about somebody when you're looking directly at them. No matter how good of a liar you may be, unless you're professional level, politician, democratic, leftist, globalist level liar, it's a lot harder to lie about someone looking directly at them. And I'm beyond the point of now thinking that maybe she was mistaken, maybe she had another issue. I'm firmly, the way things have played out since the hearing, it's pretty obvious. She's just making stuff up because she wanted to feel important. Now, she's got some problems, don't get me wrong. But Kavanaugh was never one of them. I mean, she couldn't even get the fringe she claimed that would corroborate her story to collaborate to the fact that she and Kavanaugh were ever in the same place at any given time period, let alone a party where Kavanaugh was supposedly running trains. And you know what I mean. Mackenzie Scott gave a record-breaking $275 million to Planned Parenthood. In case the name doesn't ring a bell, Mackenzie Scott is Jeff Bezos' ex-wife. The lady who became like one of the richest women on the planet just by getting divorced from Jeff Bezos. Obviously, Planned Parenthood is going to do with the money what they do with all the money that's contributed. They're going to they're going to murder a lot of preborn children, uh, an overwhelming percentage of which are black children. California state universities are dropping the SATs and the ACTs from the admissions requirement. That's going to play in with a couple of the stories that we're looking at to talk about later. The abortion story is going to play in with one of the California stories that we're looking at later. But now, if I'm going to get anywhere with the main stories that I wanted to discuss with you, I'm going to have to go ahead and take that uh, mid-hour break that I'm, uh, I'm more than a little overdue for. So you guys stay right where you're at. I will be right back after this brief break, and, uh, you know, then we'll pick things up right where I left off. So stay where you're at. I'll be right back. I'm Ron Edwards, host of the Edwards Notebook, and you're listening to Tim Tap and Tap Into the Truth.
I'm from the government and I am here to help you. That's one of the most frightening statements one can either hear or read from the government. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook brought to you by Constitutional Grounds Coffee, the coffee you want in your cup. The Founding Fathers understood and fought for our unalienable rights, amongst which are privacy. Privacy includes your personal information, identification, medical records, etc. But government leftist pigs everywhere have always wanted to be knee-deep in your personal business. Leftists believe they have some ordained right to control you from cradle to grave. That's why the government in Ontario, Canada, without the consent of the people there, hopes to roll out Digital identification ranging from driver's licenses to passports and everything in between. So they can keep track of and control every aspect of the lives of Ontario residents. Of course, government leftists here in the United States would probably like to similarly digitalize our personal identification information, including bank accounts. Hopefully the people of Ontario will stand strongly against that effort at setting an example for what we should be doing here in the United States. I'm Ron Edwards. For Constitutional Grounds Coffee, simply go to theronedwards.com. Sponsored by the Tri-County Liberty Coalition. Break it down in layman's terms. So Ukraine is a country in Europe. It exists next to another country called Russia. Russia is a bigger country. Russia is a powerful country. Russia decided to invade a smaller country called Ukraine. So basically, that's wrong. Basically, that's wrong. Uh, All right, so that's wrong, and so is just about everything that every politician in this country for the last two decades that has a D at the end of their name has attempted to do. All right, I told you we got some California stories. Now, a lot of you, if you want to listen to the rest of them, you're either, if you're listening on terrestrial radio, you're going to have to tune in. Well, tonight's the Thursday night broadcast, so uh, hour number two may not be available. So you may just have to track down the podcast. Uh, let me invite you to, to do that now. Uh, you can visit me at tapintothetruth.com if that's your preference. And from there, you can uh, go to the past broadcast shows and uh, scroll down to the players, and you can listen from there. Or you can look for me uh, basically just about anywhere that you get podcasts. Uh, right now, Spotify, iHeartRadio are really going neck and neck again. There for a minute, and iHeart kind of fell out of there, but they're bouncing back. So uh, way, to, way to pitch in, guys. And wherever you're listening at, uh, we'll go. And I will also be making an announcement about the Woking Dead giveaway, uh, the Woking Dead book giveaway upcoming uh, in July. We'll start uh, working towards that. But here's one of the California stories. And since we were discussing uh, California and and the loosening of SATs and ACTs from admission, I think it's also important to know that right now the California community colleges, uh, well, they're talking about adding a DEI competencies to the faculty's evaluations. So in other words, the DEI criteria would affect promotions and tenure decisions. Now, community colleges in California Uh, They really do want to add this diversity, equity, and inclusion competencies competencies, uh, scoring for part of the faculty evaluations. The proposal that was offered uh, this month from California Community Colleges, which is the country's largest higher education system, just as an FYI, 
would make the DEI competencies a formal condition for teachers to get promoted and to receive tenure. The proposal also adds an A uh, that stands for accessibility. So you will actually have a DEIA competency. Uh, quoting here, uh, to embed DEIA competencies and criteria as a minimum standard for evaluated employees, the Chancellor's Office is proposing new regulatory language that makes DEIA-focused competencies and criteria a minimum standard and a system-wide requirement. Now, this is from the March 11th notice from the Chancellor's Office. Now, in addition to making the DEIA competencies mandatory for employee evaluations, the new policies would also place significant emphasis on the DEIA competencies in the tenure review process. Essentially, in layman's terms, and I promise I will put this in layman's terms, not third grader terms like Kamala Harris likes to do, it basically means that uh, these DEIA competencies are going to include, uh, well, they're going to influence decisions on whether an employee gets tenure. They're going to influence decisions on whether or not an employee gets a promotion. It's basically going to decide how their career is going to play out within the system. This new policy, or technically it's a series of policies the way it's laid out, but the new policies, it also requires community college districts to include self-reflection as well as comprehensive evaluation from appropriate evaluators who reflect a range of perspectives on an employee's performance, meaning that if you're not a diversity, equity, inclusionary specialist, then you're not qualified to determine how well the individual member of the staff happens to be as far as their basic competencies within the realm of diversity, equity, and inclusion. You follow that? Okay, so that takes a little more than layman's term, but uh, quoting again here, the evaluation process shall provide employees an opportunity to demonstrate their understanding of the DEIA and anti-racist principles. Remember, we talked about anti-racist earlier. They're still using Ibram Kendi's definition here. That's why they use the phrasing. He came up with that. It's not enough to just not be racist. Now you have to be anti-racist. And by definition, the only way to be anti-racist is to actually be racist, but just against white people. That's being anti-racist. Being racist against white people is being anti-racist. I'm still not sure why these people are being lauded as great thinkers and great writers and great philosophers when they don't even seem to understand the language they're supposed to be using. I'm tired of ceding language to the left. I'm tired of letting these people redefine words. I'm tired of these people stepping up, making stuff up, and then pretending they've won the argument just because they changed what the words mean. I mean, sometimes it's kind of fun to play the game with them, but the problem is when they're allowed to do this, they just keep doing it, and, and no, no game is ever going to be fun if you never get to win. 
And as a conservative trying to play this game with a leftist, you're never going to get to win because you've let them redefine it. You let them change the rules every five seconds. That's not a game. That's just them running things. And they don't do well at running things. I don't know if anybody's noticed yet. Anybody paying attention? Have you guys seen it? Now, I know most of the people that regularly listen to this show, you're painfully aware. But if you happen to be a new user, new user, a new listener, new user of the Tap Into the Truth app, if you happen to be a new listener, have you noticed yet? The proposal, and it's, it's still just a proposal right now, but the proposal also says that employees will be provided with professional development opportunities for DEIA competencies that will contribute to creating an inclusive campus and classroom culture and equitable student outcomes. The proposed competencies and criteria are a baseline for districts and colleges to incorporate into their own local process. I don't, I don't know. You know, back in 2019, the Community College System of California adopted a diversity, equity, and inclusion integration plan. One that featured a laundry list of ideas from how to incorporate DEI. One of the ideas uh, from that point in time said, quote, encourage diversity-focused criteria in employee evaluations and tenure review. Now this brand-new proposal basically would make that mandatory instead of just a recommendation. Over the last several years, we've seen companies, we've seen low-level local governments, we've seen mid-level state governments, we've seen the federal government and several departments in the executive branch, we've seen them spend billions of dollars on this idea of DEI. And none of them really work with what we're promised they're supposed to do. None of them improve diversity. Because no matter how you look at it, their real goal isn't about diversity. Their real goal is just remove the white people. Now, I can already hear some lefty somewhere saying, ah, are you hearing all this? This guy's got so many dog whistles to the alt-right right here. And he's, he's one of them. He's a white supremacist. I'm not a supremacist. I just don't like being targeted, uh, just like you guys don't like being targeted. You're not going to solve the problems of racism by being racist against the people that you think were racist against you. You're just going to continue to perpetrate <laughs> You're just going to continue to perpetuate it. Here I am struggling for English. What am I going to do? How can I criticize them about their English when I can barely speak it? Blah, blah. If you're going to continue to perpetuate racism, then you're not solving anything. You're part of the problem. And if you're trying to solve the problem instead of trying to be part of the problem, then maybe it's time that you hit the brakes on this anti-racist bovine excrement. 
and we have an honest conversation. And that honest conversation means you and me talking about the issues and, and discussing the points and, and, and talking about our feelings about it too. There's a place for our feelings in the conversation, but we need to get to a place where we also understand that regardless about how we feel about certain things, facts matter. In fact, facts matter more. And if you'll forgive me borrowing from Ben Shapiro, facts don't care about your feelings. They don't care about my feelings. But we can discuss all that in a comprehensive fashion and walk away and not hate each other. If we can do that, if we can have that honest conversation, if we can broach the topic, maybe then we can find some middle ground. Maybe then we can solve a few of these issues. Maybe then we can acknowledge that America is not fundamentally a racist country. America is a country that has had in its illustrious history, a large number of people that probably did have some racist tendencies, leaned a little racist. Now, is that to say that there aren't racists still around? Yes, of course there are. And a lot of them are anti-racist, who happen to be racist, that they're just racist against white people. Anti you know, again, it, it, it's like the, how do you define uh, a woman, if you can't define a woman, but you claim to be, how can you claim to be? And my head exploded again. Sheesh. I'm going to have to invest in like some gorilla glue and super duct tape to keep my head in one piece so the next time it explodes, I'll just at least know where all the pieces are. This is getting difficult trying to follow what they think is logic. Ah, uh, Tim, you're just too stupid to understand. I'm not the dumb one here, yo. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's just so mind-numbing. So here we are. We're going to so indoctrinate everybody that if you want to teach in the community college system in the state of California that not only do you have to embrace and teach this racial essentialism because this is another aspect of racial essentialism you have to not only teach it but you have to jump through the same hoops to try to advance in your career meaning that you have to embrace it and the longer you embrace it as a requirement for your job sooner or later it's going to seep into your head that that's actually how you're supposed to behave I mean, when you can't publicly behave in a different faction, it doesn't matter if it gets into your head or not, but eventually it's going to get into your head. It's going to program. That is how indoctrination works. It's the very reason why somebody can call the Florida uh, law a don't say gay bill, and then all of a sudden everybody thinks the best way to fight it is to go around just saying, and gay, 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 I'm saying gay. They can't stop me. We're saying gay. Nowhere. Not a single person that pulls off running around playing those shenanigans has taken a look at the bill itself. They're just listening to what somebody else has told them. And that somebody else either has the agenda to try to make you look like an idiot or they're an idiot. 
If you have a friend that's telling you, blah, 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 don't say gay. Oh, they're being, it's going to make things so dangerous for, for gay children in Florida schools. They're a moron. They do not know what they're talking about. Oh, don't tell me that. My friend doesn't know what they're talking about because they're gay and they live in Florida and they know what they're talking about. No, they don't because they don't know what's in the bill. Nowhere in the bill does the word gay appear at all. How is it supposed to be a don't say gay bill if it doesn't say the word gay anywhere? I mean, how do you write that? I know legalese can be a little challenging sometimes. And that's intentional. That's just where some highly educated people want to pretend like uh, it requires all those years of schooling to understand the law. When in essence, they're just trying to overcomplicate the uh, trappings around it uh, so that uh, to intimidate you and so you'll hire a lawyer. Nowhere in the bill does it say gay anywhere. The bill does not at any point say, and oh yeah, by the way, it's illegal to say gay. No, it is illegal to try to teach gender theory to pre-K through third graders. It is illegal to try and introduce gender theories in an inappropriate manner for age groups over third grade. Meaning for fourth graders, drag story time not going to be allowed because fourth graders aren't old enough to understand what's going on. It shouldn't be that hard. All right. Uh, first hour is coming to an end right about now, so I'm going to have to say goodbye to the folks listening on Terrestrial Radio. Let me remind you to please uh, come find the podcast and listen to the second hour of tonight's show. If you're listening to the podcast, uh, hour number two starts right after this. In the meanwhile, don't take my word for it. Definitely don't take their word for it. Be prepared to put in some effort, and most importantly, use your brain. Stay safe if you can, stay healthy if at all possible, and uh, you know, be smart out there, even if it goes against your nature. This is Tim Tap. Let's go, Brandon. Let's go, Brandon. Let's go, let's go. To praise the little man Told that union saved the working class He was raised a red state son To love the flag and own a gun Warned about the greed within the mass They met beneath the moonlit sky A college party drunk and high And when they had degrees They said their vows couldn't say when, he couldn't say how, he couldn't say why, she was different in his eyes. They built careers and had a kid, tried to live like their parents did, but both their parties taxed them close to death. Learned to hate the public schools Watch TV making fools While trial lawyers looted what was left 
She couldn't say when She couldn't say how She couldn't say why He was different in her eyes Saw the musical A happy little cabin in the west They homeschooled on their farm Making so much more from so much less You're listening to Tim Tap and Tap into the Truth. of Tapping to the Truth. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing with all the usual caveats, of course. With you, as always, I am your ever so humble and, you know, mostly peaceful host, 
Tim Tapp, and I'm coming to you from historic Roan County, Tennessee, and glad to be uh, glad to be part of your listening selection wherever you may be. Whether you're listening uh, on your favorite podcast app, or whether you're listening on terrestrial radio stations like KYAH 540 AM Utah's Talk Authority, or online platforms like the last frequency. Uh, wherever you may be listening, uh, again, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining me. Hope you don't go anywhere. Hope you enjoy the show. Uh, this is the second hour of a two, li- blah, two live crew. No, this is the second hour of a live two-hour broadcast that uh, took place on March 24th, 2022. That means it's Thursday. And that also means that for most of the terrestrial radio listeners, uh, they'll get the first hour, because I'm pretty much Monday through Fridays on the terrestrial stations that remain at the moment. However, uh, on the last frequency, you still may get this second hour. I did invite and encourage everyone who listened to the first hour to come check out the podcast, however. So if you're joining me now on the podcast from having listened to the previous uh, on terrestrial radio then a very special thank you. And please reach out to me through social media and let me know that you did. Uh, This is going to put you in a very primo position when it comes time to make the announcements regarding the upcoming book giveaway in July of A.J. Rice's brand new book, The Woking Dead. All right, like I said back in the first hour, for those of you that have sat through that with me already, Uh, You know that I was talking about a lot of different headlines and that there was a lot of different things to sit here and talk about. Some of you may be curious as to why I've only briefly talked about Leah Thomas. And what I've had to say hasn't been nearly as bombastic as I've been on the topics in the past when it comes to biological males competing against biological females in athletics. Ultimately, though, uh, I've told you why I haven't spent that much, because this has been getting way more coverage than almost any of the previous stories combined. And part of the reason why it's been getting more coverage is because people are paying attention more. More parents are speaking out. More feminist organizations are speaking out against the NCAA for having allowed it. The intersectionality coalition that I said was doomed to fall apart eventually anyway, the first real challenge is about to be met. And I think it's going to get torn apart when it comes to the feminists because you've already got a big part of that coalition that has started attacking the third and fourth wave feminists, uh, coming up with clever nicknames like TERFs, trans-exclusionary, Uh, Well, no, they're not exclusionary. They're simply dealing with the biological fact that you cannot change your DNA regardless of what you do to your hormonal levels and how you mutilate your body. Your DNA doesn't change. Your ability to produce eggs doesn't change. Now, you can completely uh, end your capability, but you can't suddenly create a capability to do to develop eggs and to ovulate if you didn't have them in the first place. Just like a biological woman is never going to be able to produce sperm. 
no matter how they transition, no matter what the surgical uh, attributes that occur, no matter how their genitalia are mutilated, changed, formed, how you change the plumbing, there's certain aspects of the biological reality that is never going to change. Now, if you're somebody that genuinely suffers from gender dysphoria, I have a great deal of empathy for you. I know people who've struggled with that. I'm friends with these people. And they're friends with me. Now, I've known a few more folks than, that are friends with me, but I have friends that suffer with gender dysphoria. And the thing is, they hear me say these things, and depending on where they're at in their struggle, sometimes they just don't want to hear it. They tell me to shut up. They t when I tell them, we, we need to go get you some help. You, this is what I would tell somebody that was struggling with any aspect of their general happiness to the point that it's taking them to clinical depression, which if you're suffering from actual gender dysphoria, you have clinical depression at best. So whether or not you want to admit that there is a mental issue with gender dysphoria alone or not, you still can't deny that clinical depression doesn't exist for those folks that are suffering from it. So there is at the very least that. And if you can work towards treating that, you're going to find out you're a lot happier. That's a starting point. It's not the end of it, but it's a starting point. And this is always said from a point of love. Love for my fellow man, for my fellow human being. I recognize you as a human. I see you and the value you have, the merit you have as a human being. But that's as far as I'm going to go with that. I'm not going to sit here and pretend like, well, if you're somebody that I don't know, then just because it might hurt your feelings, I'm going to play along with the fantasy. I'm going to continue to remind everybody, including the people I know personally and love. Love like family members. I'm going to continue to impress upon you. You have a right to express yourself, to define yourself, to be who you are. And I'm going to support you being who you are regardless. But you do not have the right to try to tell me how much of your issue I have to go along with. Just like I don't have a right to, to force you to listen to this broadcast. Everyone on the planet might be better off if they did, but I don't have the right to make you. I don't want to make you. I don't want to silence anybody, and I don't want anyone to suffer. But the point here that I was trying to make is that this issue, this may very well be the first full-blown destruction involving at least part of that coalition. The intersectionality coalition is doomed. It was doomed from the beginning. Their goals of these different groups are not the same. They never were. We saw cracks forming back when there were issues between the uh, Antifa folks and the BLM folks who were all about defund the police and then the gay rights activist folks that were going to the same parades, the same stuff. And when bad stuff happened, they wanted to call the police, but the Black Lives Matter folks got mad at them for calling the police because they wanted to defund the police. They don't want the police there. Well, who's going to save us from those crazy white supremacists? You know, all four of them. Like, I don't care what you say. 
There's a big difference between mildly racist, uh, severely racist, and full-blown white supremacist, as in KKK style. Now, all of those are wrong. I'm not defending any of it. But if you're talking about full-blown white supremacists marching on the streets with the white hood and burning crosses, you're going to be hard-pressed to find a dozen in one place. And here's the really wild part. The places that you typically think of, like Alabama, Georgia, here in Tennessee, you're going to be harder-pressed to find more than three or four in any one given place that are full-blown white supremacists. You're more likely, if you want to find a dozen in a single place, to go somewhere uh, out west and up north. You're more likely to find full-blown dozen of white supremacists in Michigan than you are in Alabama. You're way more likely to find it in Washington State, find a dozen of them, than you are here in Tennessee. Now, if you pulled all the communities together and eventually just kind of drew them all, you might get to a dozen here in Tennessee. Full-blown, I want to wear the hoods, and I'm marching, and I'm doing all this. Yeah. My point, there's not that many of them. But, again, the intersectionality part, it doesn't matter anymore. It's falling apart. And part of this is coming from the fact that so many people on the left who have claimed for years to to be defending women, women's opportunity, women's rights, the fight against the patriarchy, are now showing their true colors. They're actually picking men, biological men, of course, to be their women of the year, to be their best athletes, to be whatever else it is they're looking for. And in the process, they're also willing to cover for them. And one of the really interesting stories that I came across is a photojournalist by the name of Erica Denoff. At least I think it's Denoff. If I'm butchering your last name, Erica, I apologize. I'll just call you Erica from this point forward. Photojournalist Erica has expressed her surprise and disappointment with NBC. Well, you know, why would she be disappointed with NBC? See, everybody knows why I would be disappointed with NBC's news coverage or today's show, because... They always push the agenda. They're way more interested in pushing the agenda than they are in providing you with information or helpful stuff. But she, she's upset with NBC after the network, according to her, intentionally edited her photos of Leah Thomas. They they editor, edited her photos. Why? Well, they were trying to make... Leah's features look a little softer. They they photoshopped, they airbrushed, they they took those harsh, manly features that Leah has. I mean, if you've actually seen Leah, Leah's a dude. I mean, not just a, a not just a biological male, Leah is a dude you take one look you can tell built the features are are stark it is difficult to miss but nbc saw that and they're like 
Well, you know what? It's going to be really hard for us to keep a straight face and talk about what a brave, wonderful woman she is and how she just excels so well and wondering why it's taken so long for a woman to be so dominant in the collegiate swimming sports. Uh, spoiler alert, because Leah's not a woman. Oh, did you hear that? That was me just getting banned from Twitter. Oh, can you tell how bad I'm missing? Actually, <laughs> I haven't been banned yet. Or at least I don't know. Maybe I have been. It's been maybe a week and a half since I logged on to Twitter. So I <laughs> maybe I have been banned and I just don't know yet. Anyway, on NBC's Today Show, uh, they were accused earlier this week with presenting altered photos of Thomas seemingly, I'm using air quotes, to soften the swimmer's masculine features during their gushing coverage of, uh, well, of the athlete. Thomas, a biological male who used to compete against other guys, well, Thomas eh, easily took first place in the NCAA Women's Swimming Championship for the 500-yard freestyle. Sparked a lot of outrage, outrage that the media is trying to ignore, outrage that the NCAA is trying to ignore, even though multiple outlets have reached out for comment on multiple occasions. They're going to have to be real careful because if they don't address this now, uh, what's it going to be? Season, season and a half at best before Joanna Mann is playing uh, on one of these women's basketball teams. I mean, real life version, not not this movie. And if you haven't seen the movie, spoiler alert: is a guy who decided to play as a woman for reasons, probably very similar reasons to Thomas. You know, when I was swimming as a guy against other guys, it's kind of hard. I was mediocre at best. Well, I, you know, that's probably not fair. Uh, all intents and purposes for that for within the Ivy Leagues, did fairly well. Still wasn't winning meets and wasn't placing third or better very often. But still would usually have a strong finish somewhere around fifth or so. And the way the swimming meets works, that's that's not bad. But if you're not winning, then you're not winning. And, you know, scholarships are hard to come by, especially in Ivy League schools. And I would imagine that there was pressure there and ah, just became so much. You come up with an easy way to win, though, and, and uh, there you go. Denoff, or Erica, I promised I would call her Erica, didn't I? Erica said, quote, I pride myself on providing authentic images as a photojournalist. She's, of course, saying this to the Washington Examiner. She added to that that she was disappointed by the network's actions. Again, she's talking about NBC. The, the fun thing here is that Erica herself graduated from the University of Pennsylvania back in 2008. She was a varsity athlete herself in track and field. Now, at first, Erica said that she thought that something was honestly just wrong with the video. 
But then after she viewed the segment several more times, that then she was convinced that there had been editing done to the pictures she had taken. Intentional editing to those images. Saying, quote, When I first noticed the airbrushing on the segment referenced, I thought something was honestly wrong with the video. But then I watched it again and thought, wait a minute, this appears to be intentional. Leah's featured Leah's features are softened. Erica then said, quote, I then went to my original photo on the sites that they could access to license the photo and compared it and immediately saw a difference. She emphasized, quoting again, it's really important as photojournalists that we transmit authentic photos that have not been altered. She took to Twitter, she showed the comparison, and it's pretty obvious. If you haven't seen the difference, and if you're somebody that doesn't typically watch the Today Show, I'm certainly not going to hold that against you. But uh, you can go to Twitter, take a look. And one of the pictures, the authentic picture that Erica took, clear-cut dude with long hair. When you look at the altered picture... The features have been softened. It does look distinctively more feminine, but still doesn't look particularly feminine. That's how hard it is to soften these features. And there are multiple pictures that they did this with. Pictures of Leah standing outside of the pool. Pictures of Leah in the pool. One of the tweets that highlighted the two shows a side-by-side of the alleged photo altering by the Today Show. That went viral. So there's a good chance you may have already seen this. Back to quoting Erica. To me, it definitely seems like something was going on with the airbrushing slash noise reduction of all of Leah's photos in the segment. My photo that they licensed was an authentic photo. I'm surprised and disappointed that today altered my image of Leah for this particular news segment. Thomas, of course, has been widely criticized for dominating in women's sports while being biologically male, not only by conservatives but by feminists and by actual competitors, too. And who's better to comment than those competitors? But here's the thing. Is this a surprise? Because once again, what we're seeing is a willingness of mainstream legacy media outlets that purport themselves as being news shows. Although the Today Show, it really does kind of bill itself as being part news, part entertainment, part whatever fluffy stuff we want to throw at you, like most of the morning shows do now on the the main networks. But we've seen this willingness to to edit video footage, to make things look more like what the narrative suggests. We've seen them do all kinds of things. So this 
One of these pictures, literally, you can tell that Leah had just taken the goggles off, still had the red marks on Leah's face. So Thomas is there, red marks on their face, and uh, then the airbrushed version, while Thomas is still there in the water, uh, you can't see can't see the red marks anymore where the goggles were on so tight. All this is so that you can take one look and not immediately say, yeah, that that guy's a dude. I mean, that is the only thing they're trying to do. We want to just talk about how awesome it is that this great female swimmer is just so fantastic at swimming that that Leah Thomas is the LeBron James of women's NCAA swimming, the top dog, the best at it right now, head and shoulders above everybody else doing it. And we want to pretend like there's not a reason other than just being a really good, exceptional even, athlete. That, that's, that's the whole thing. They didn't even want to mention... I didn't even want to talk about the fact that uh, technically Leah's transgender, that Leah's biological male. So they took great lengths to hide the biological male frame. They took greater lengths to try to hide Leah Thomas's features than uh, Thomas himself does when he's in the women's locker room. Again, I'm talking about reports. If you're listening back in the first hour, reports that Leah is not the most conscientious about covering her male genitalia. And then, look, if you're that comfortable in that situation, good for you. But what about your teammates? Are they that comfortable with it, too? I mean, there is a point where you do have to be considerate of others around you. That seems to be the whole thing that's lost by leftists on all these arguments. They demand this, and they demand it now. We have to do this because it's not fair to these individuals. Well, yeah, well what about what's fair for everybody? What's, what about what's fair for the biggest majority? You're never going to be able to completely satisfy Everyone, you're never going to be able to create a situation that is 100% completely fair for everyone. So the best solution you can come up with often is what's the fairest for the largest number of people. And that does unfortunately put most transgender at the very back of the bus when it comes to People on the list that we have to be fair to. Because the number of actual transgender individuals, people that genuinely are suffering from, from gender dysphoria, is very, very small. Now again, I will remind you that I'm not insinuating that just because there's not very many people that fall into that group that we should just ignore the group. Quite the opposite. But in the name of fairness, you cannot just throw out the notion that you still might need to be fair to the majority of people that's going to be in that shared locker room. Now, I've often said from the beginning that if transgenders are demanding to participate in sports, then they should have their own category. 
There is a reason why men's and women's sports have been separated. Leah Thomas is demonstrating quite aptly why that separation exists. If you're going to have a women's team, the whole idea is that you're providing an opportunity for women to excel in that sport. And they cannot excel if they're having to compete against biologically superior athletes. Most male athletes are going to be better suited to winning in a majority of sports. There are a few exceptions. In fact, how folks define what is and isn't a sport gets a little uh, fuzzy around the edges sometimes. So it's not a complete total blanket statement, but in general terms, a majority of sports, whether you're talking about basketball or soccer or swimming or weightlifting or whatever sport you're talking about, whether you're boxing or, heaven forbid, MMM, <laughs> I think I added one too many M's, MMA, You put a biological male in the ring with a biological female, that biological female, no matter how good she ranks among women, is going to be at a severe disadvantage. There are high school soccer teams that can beat the U.S. women's team. Can beat them badly if you go find a really good high school team. High school boys teams that can beat the women's U.S. soccer team. And yet they still demand that they need to be paid more and millions of dollars. And, and there's this big whining going on about why there's so many great uh, female athletes but so little coverage. Well, the amount of coverage that you get from the media is directly proportionate to the amount of interest that people have in the sport. Now, that may not be fair. But here's the thing. Most people that are interested in watching sports tend to be guys. And most guys tend to want to watch other guys playing sports, whether it's football, soccer, basketball, so on and so forth. Again, I actually enjoy watching women's basketball at the collegiate level because I, as a student of the game, enjoy seeing more of the fundamentals, or at least used to be able to see that. Now the game has changed now to a point where uh, there's a few teams you can still watch and get good fundamentals, but not so much all of them. In an interest to try and make it more exciting, they want to try and make it more like street ball and, and more like the men's game. I don't have a problem with the sport evolving. I will lament how the sport used to be. I'm like that. I, I like things that are pure that are still wholesome, that are still good for folks. When elevated organized basketball moves more towards street ball, there's a place for street ball. It's on the concrete courts out in the cities where, where, where it is. It's technically the same game, but it's a different game. And I don't have a problem with it either, but it's still a different game. I, I've went down this little side path, but here's 
here's my main point, and I'll get back to it. The problem here, of course, is that Leah Thomas was allowed by the NCAA to participate in national championship. National championship efforts. Was granted championships. Won championships while competing against biological women. The NCAA not only allowed it, but they held it as an important, pivotal moment. It really is, because if you happen to be somebody that thinks you have to fight the uh, patriarchy, you just got something that's supposed to be just for women taken away from you. So, hey, way to go, NCAA. Uh, Don't be surprised, though. Conservatives are your allies right now, feminists. Conservatives are your allies because we are parents. Many of us are parents of daughters. And we want our daughters to have the same opportunities that every other woman in the country should have. And we want them, if they have to compete, to be doing so on an even playing field against other women. That's what we want. We don't want men involved in women's sports as far as actually competing and being recognized as winners. Because that's eventually going to lead to all of the opportunities for women being taken away by biological men. So at this moment in time, third wave feminists, fourth wave feminists, you have better allies and conservative Christians right now than you do with anyone else in the intersectionality coalition. Um, just going to leave that thought right there. Think about that for a bit. Let that sneak on in. Because what else can I say at that point? That seems pretty solid. All right, let's take that mid-hour break. And when I come back, I will try to sneak two two stories in. Don't think I'm going to get there, but I'm going to try. In the meanwhile, you uh, don't go anywhere. I will be right back on after this very short, short break. You're listening to Tap Into The Truth. My name's Joe Biden. All of this, as more than half of Americans think President Biden will go down as one of the worst presidents in American history. I keep forgetting I'm president. It's 23 and counting. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook, brought to you by Constitutional Grounds Coffee, the coffee you want in your cup. The one thing that thugs and law-abiding sovereign Americans have in common is, for the most part, we all want to keep living. But unfortunately, in far too many American cities, criminal thuggery has increased dramatically, primarily because leftist-oriented government officials have in many cases almost given permission to thugs to wreak havoc, like the homeless thug in Seattle who threw a woman down a flight of stairs near the Amazon headquarters. The thug who tossed the Seattle woman down the stairs had 22 previous criminal offenses, 
most of them against other people. Leftist Democrat mayors are on a madman mission to help George Soros and other globalist pigs create a chaotic environment, hoping that sovereign Americans will throw up their hands and demand a national police force. But thank goodness everyone hasn't gone to Nutsville. Take the Republican-dominated House legislature. An example in Ohio, they passed a bill signed by Ohio Governor Mike DeWine that allows people to carry concealed firearms without government permit which makes it easier for sovereign individuals to defend themselves against knuckle-dragging thugs. I'm Ron Edwards. For Constitutional Grounds Coffee, simply go to theronedwards.com. Sponsored by the Tri-County Liberty Coalition. Just heard Ron Edwards on the Edwards Notebook a few moments ago. Of course, you will have an opportunity to hear Ron again next time he appears on my show. But hey, don't wait for that. You can literally hear Ron <laughs> literally Sunday through Friday uh, on a multitude of platforms. Best way to go find out where each one of those is is to go visit his website. So go visit theronedwards.com. Uh, it's my understanding the website's up and working again. Uh, he had some issues not too long ago, but he's back up. And, uh, yeah, by the way, if you listen to the Sunday broadcast, more often than not, you're also going to get to hear me. Uh, every now and then I can't make it. I apologize profusely for those occasions. But Ron's kind enough to have me on. We'll have these discussions. And you know what? Every now and then we even mildly disagree on a point or two. But we do get to demonstrate how that can be done, and still be friends. 
I know, it's wild, isn't it? Okay. <laughs> anyway, enough of that. Uh, everything is awesome, boldness. Uh, let's let's get to it. I promised a second California story. So for my California listeners, and there are a lot of you, thank you, by the way. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and keep that promise. And then if I have enough time, I'm going to get to the other story I'd hope to get to before I spend a little too much time uh, talking about Judge Jackson back in the first hour. Uh, this is one, of course, back uh, in the hands of the California governor. Uh, Mr. Gavin Newsom survived his recall election attempt and has been on a leftist tear ever since. Now, the Democratic governor has signed into law uh, this past Tuesday, uh, for those that are keeping track, a brand new law making it cheaper, far less expensive for women on private insurance plans to murder their pre-born child. Yeah, SB 245 was uh, its bill name before it became law. It prohibits health plans and insurers from imposing a copay, a deductible, or other cost-sharing requirements for abortion and abortion-related services. That's according to the governor's office press release. I want to take just a moment to reflect on that simple thing. It makes it illegal for health insurers to have plans that expect you to have a copay or a deductible or any other type of cost-sharing requirement to get murder of the preborn activity taken. Now, it's still perfectly okay for you to have to pay a copay or to pay your deductible if you had to have a life-saving appendicitis surgery or if you had to have cancer removed or you, you had a brain tumor. All these things can be life-threatening. They're actual medical care. They're actual health care. Not the murder of something, not the ending of something's health, but actual for you. That's still perfectly about, yeah, 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 they can charge you whatever they want. Copay, that works. Uh, yeah, you should have to help pay for that. But when it comes to us sacrificing the unborn to Moloch or whoever the lefts are worshiping at the moment, all hell Satan, right? Whoever they're offering up the unborn to and sacrifice, well, you know what? They shouldn't have to pay for that. They shouldn't have to take any responsibility for having gotten pregnant in the first place, right? Oh, Tim, now you're forgetting all about the red herring. The red herring? What, what are you talking about, Tim? Well, of course, you know, cases of incest or rape. Why is that a red herring? Because that's such a small percentage. But statistically speaking, it's not only an anomalous situation, it's a statistical mistake. The number of cases that that is involved is so low that it's not a significant factor in this discussion. It's just not. Now, if that happens to you, obviously it's going to be significant to you. If you're one of that statistical anomalies, Okay, fine. And, and you, I, again, I'm not trying to dismiss your truth. 
But what I'm telling you is that for 99.9999867321 of us, that's not a thing. But those small percent of a percent of a percent of a percent instances when it happens is held up like it's the number one reason to have it available. We've got to have Roe v. Wade because we need to be able to protect our daughters from rape and incest. But is that why you're going to go murder this preborn child that that you're going to have if you don't murder it? Because that is the natural progression. You become pregnant, the child gestates, uh, you give birth, and then the child is is outside of the womb where it's clearly a human and nobody can argue about it anymore, which is why that's when the left wants you to first think it becomes human. Pretty sure it was human before. Pretty sure the DNA told the tale before. Pretty sure fingers and toes well before birth, heartbeat just a few weeks in, brain activity, the ability to sense pain. Oh, that's never been conclusively proven, Tim. Uh, yeah, it has. Only leftists want to refuse to acknowledge it. If you're pro-murder of the unborn, then you want to ignore that. You want to continue to say that, well, it's just a mass of tissue and cells. Well, even if that was your definition of what's happening in there, uh, it's a collection of tissues and cells that has the potential of being one heck of a human being. Also has the potential of being one horrific human being. That's the thing about potential. You never actually know what you're going to get until you act on that potential. But it is a living entity. Your religious beliefs will help you to determine when you believe it has a soul. Scientifically stating, as a trained biologist, I have to tell you that life does begin at inception. Once the child is conceived, it is alive. It was alive before then, but it was alive to two separate entities. It was part of you until conception. Now, at conception, it no longer is part of you. It's just hanging out inside of you if you happen to be the mother. And the mother or birthing person is the person that is a biological female and identifies as a female and identifies as now pregnant because she is and then identifies as going to be a birthing mother because she's going to give birth. Did I sufficiently Kamala Harris that up for you? If that wasn't sufficient, let me know. I, I will work on my Kamala. Uh, you know, we've got the Veep thoughts thing going on over in the blaze. Uh, primarily you. I'm looking at you, Stuber Gear. Uh, and I'm digging it. Veep thoughts. Not deep thoughts, but Veep as in VP. Ah, it's good stuff, by the way, Stu. Good stuff. And uh, yeah, The best part, though, is that Kamala keeps giving more material. Uh, and you just can't go wrong with a good Kamala quote. It's hard for me to capture the moment and to be 
as we will use the word cogent because it's literally the opposite of it, but the left likes doing that, saying a word but meaning the exact opposite of the word. So we'll say it's hard to be as cogent as Kamala Harris is. So at any rate, California already mandates that health insurance companies cover abortion. Insurers charge for copays and deductibles like they do with all their other policies. This, of course, results in an average of somewhere in the neighborhood of $543 or so. That's, that's the average for a woman, if you can define what a woman is, to use medication to abort or to abort the baby by surgical means. Uh, that runs that bill up to just under $900. About 887 is the average that I see here from an ABC report. So I'm guessing ABC wouldn't exaggerate this number upwards. So we'll, we'll say that their numbers are probably, probably fairly conservative, that the numbers are probably low, you know, the opposite of what the CDC did with COVID death numbers. They inflated that up. They kind of put this down. With this legislation, they're basically making the murder of the preborn free. I mean, again, there's absolutely no reason why there should be any responsibility for careless, unprotected activities that presumably you know going in could result in pregnancy, except except in California, maybe maybe everybody is just as incapable of defining what a woman is as Biden's nominee to be the next member of the Supreme Court. Maybe maybe everyone in the state of California is equally incapable of defining what a woman is as Judge Jackson is. Now, if that's the case, if you're having sex, but you can't define what a woman is, so you don't know that you're in fact a woman, and then you don't know, in fact, who you're having sex with, because you, you don't know what a woman is. And in order to define what a man is, you typically have to know what a woman is so that you can do the compare and contrast and understand because that's where the state of California education... Oh, and my head exploded again. My head just keeps exploding today, guys. So what what do you do? If you're the governor of the state of California, you just say, hey, let's give everybody $400 gas cards every month uh, out of the state coffers where we're already going bankrupt because, you know, inflation and fuel costs... We don't want you to feel the pain because you may not continue to elect us Democrats if you figure out that it's our policies that are doing that to you. And while we're at it, uh, as a distraction, here, look over here, shiny, shiny, uh, you guys like killing your babies, right? Uh, boom, let's, let's make the insurance companies pay it. First of all, guys, do you know what insurance actually is supposed to do? Do you understand the purpose of insurance? Do you know what we call it? insurance it's 
to provide assistance in the event that something unexpected happens. Nobody walks down the street and decides, hey, you know what? Uh, this is the week I'm going to break my leg and need to go to the ER and then be laid up and out of work for at least the next uh, four weeks to six weeks after that. Nobody makes that plan. I mean, if you're fortunate enough, you're having enough diagnostic tests done that uh, stuff is happening and you're in decent shape. And, you know, if you have to have an elective surgery or if you know that you have a surgery that you're going to have to have, you can kind of plan it and schedule it. But beyond that, insurance is there to be a backup, a just-in-case-this-happens, and, of course, I can't afford to deal with it. It's not there to actually provide for you health care. It's there to help you pay for unexpected health care. That's what insurance is for. That's literally what the word means. It's insurance against bad things that might happen. But to sit here and say, well, okay, if your appendix burst, well, then you can still have to pay a copay. Well, that's ridiculously dangerous, and tell me it's not incentivizing further the murder of the preborn. How absurd. But that's what you get from these uber leftists. That's their extent in the belief in the sanctity of human life. It's literally non-existent. Guys, uh, all my California listeners, I love you guys. I do. You got a beautiful state. It's one of the few states that, in my mind, contrasts well against Tennessee because I love the state of Tennessee. Tennessee is a beautiful state. We got all kinds of different terrain and, and different action. We got the, the basin out west, and then we've got the plateau in the middle, and then we have mountains out here in the eastern part of the state where I'm at. But California, you've got mountains, you've got hills, you've got farmland, you've got sunny beaches, you've got uh, green, green valleys, you've got tremendous population centers that are just great cities, or at least once upon a time they were, before Democrats were ruining them all. You've got a great place. When are you guys finally going to get together, put your foot down, and stop letting these idiots Run the state and ruin your stuff. Morally, there's going to be a price to pay for this action. Economically, you're going to lose more opportunities because insurance companies are going to start bailing. If you're going to start making them pay for everything that's happening. They're not a piggy bank for the government or for their customers to just raid when they feel like they need it. It's going to be harder to get insurance because there's going to be fewer insurance companies left. It's going to happen economically. It's going to hurt, which in turn means it's going to hurt you when you actually have to have medical care but can't get insurance because the insurance companies moved out of the state. All right, I got just a few minutes left. I will probably revisit this topic when I'm talking more generally next time the topic of murdering the preborn comes up. I did want to at least get a mention in on this. Uh, for those of you who may not have been aware, Dr. Oz was actually on the uh, presidential council. You know, the presidential council on sports, fitness, and nutrition. Well, this past Wednesday, the Obama administration threatened to remove Dr. Oz from the council 
because they don't like the fact that he's running for Senate as a Republican candidate. The administration literally sent a letter to Dr. Oz, and it said that if he didn't resign from the board by the end of the day on this past Wednesday, that he would be terminated. President Trump appointed Dr. Oz to a two-term on the Presidential Council of Sports, Fitness, and Nutrition. The White House just emailed him on Monday demanding, not on Monday, but on Wednesday, demanding his resignation by the end of the day. Dr. Oz took to Twitter, made that statement alongside an image of the email regarding the letter. He said, and quote, clearly Joe Biden can't be around anyone who doesn't completely fall in line with his fear-mongering, authoritarian, one-size-fits-all COVID handling. I am proud of my service and will not resign. So good for you, Dr. Oz. Good for you. That's going to have to be it. My two hours with you on this occasion is up. Thank you so very much for being here. As always, I greatly appreciate it. And please remember, no matter what else happens, don't take my word for it. Please, don't just take their word for it either. Be prepared to put in some effort and most importantly, to use your brain if you really want to tap into the truth. In the meanwhile, stay safe if you can. Stay healthy, if at all possible, and uh, be smart out there, guys, even if it goes against your nature. I'm out. This is Tim Tapp. Let's go, Brandon. Hey. Let's go, Brandon. Hey. Let's go, let's go. Hey. in both
shake under control is using both hands. Using both hands. <laughs> <laughs> 